This is the story of the youngest woman in Argentina to receive a life sentence. You've probably all seen a teenage television show or a movie where the popular, rich and beautiful high school girl is the mean one. Well, in this story you'll see that reality exceeds fiction, so if you want to find out what happened, I invite you to make yourself comfortable because the story of Nair Galarza begins now. Nair Galarza was born on September 11, 1998 in Gualaguaychú in Argentina. Her father Marcelo Galarza was the chief in the city police, and her mother Yamina was just like her husband, a former police officer, but she was no longer working as she wanted to devote herself entirely to her children. Nair had a younger brother who suffered from mental retardation, but she grew up in a loving family and was very close to her mother, who was more of a friend to her than an authoritative figure. Whereas, it was her father who was more authoritative in the family, but he was also a kind and great father to her. Her parents, who already had a son with mental retardation, placed all their hopes on their daughter. She was a bit like the little princess of the family, as her parents fulfilled all her wishes and she had a happy childhood. Nair was already very popular in her school, she was pretty, fashionable, and she took care of her appearance. Nair had long white hair and regularly posted pictures on her social media in which she posed in a rather flirtatious way. Moreover, the fact that she was the daughter of the chief of police gave her a certain social status, a certain authority, which many girls dreamed of looking like her or being her friend. All the boys liked her as well, but Nair was narcissistic. She did not lack self-confidence and she could be very mean to those she considered inferior to her. She often made fun of people and even harassed certain students whom she did not consider beautiful enough or were too weird for her. As you can see, Nair was a popular girl, similar to those found in television shows or movies, and she abused her status and her power. On her 15th birthday, she threw a big party and a girl was wearing the same dress as her. Nair, who wanted to have the most beautiful dress, couldn't stand having the same one as someone else at her birthday party and started harassing the poor girl on Facebook, sending her insults and even death threats through private messages. She, like all the young girls her age, was very active on social media, sharing her private life, whether it was love stories or short adventures. In 2012, when Nair was just 15 she met Fernando Pastorizo, who was a year older than her. He was also born in Gualacuechu on January 3, 1990. His parents, Silvia Mantegaza and Gustavo Pastorizo, divorced when Fernando and his sister Carla were very young, but they managed to keep good relations with each other for their children's sake. According to his family, he had a great sense of humor and really liked making others laugh, especially by doing impressions. Even though he was extroverted with his friends, he could also be more introverted and reserved around adults. On her 15th birthday, Nair's parents threw a big party for their daughter and the room they had rented for the occasion was too big for Nair's friends, so she had the idea of bringing more people. She then asked each of her guests to bring other people, even if she did not know them, because her main goal was to get everyone talking about this memorable evening of her party, where she would be the queen. It was during this evening that the incident with the dress happened that I told you about earlier. Fernando was also among the guests. They both exchanged looks that night as well as danced and had fun all evening. Even though he was already in a relationship with another girl, he was very attracted to Nair, so after that night he tried communicating with her on social media, seeing her more often and this is how their relationship started. Fernando and Nair began dating, but at the beginning she didn't want to make it official and she didn't refer to them as a couple at first, despite posting numerous pictures of them together on social media. Nair's parents approved of the relationship as they even saw it as a positive thing that their daughter was in love with someone like Fernando who was a very respectful and good guy. In 2016, Fernando went on vacation with Nair's family in Rio de Janeiro. They had then been together for four years now and the couple seemed to be having the perfect love story on social media, but reality was quite different. After what is known as the honeymoon phase, Nair and Fernando's relationship became more and more toxic. 
She began cheating on him regularly, flirting with other boys on social media, and even sleeping with some of them. Even though Nair's unfaithfulness occasionally reached Fernando's ears and was followed by disputes and somehow they always ended in reconciliations. The problem was that they formed a bond between them, a kind of attachment, which meant that he couldn't break up with her. As the relationship gradually deteriorated, Fernando began to behave similarly, which was a bad idea because Nair was a jealous person. Their love story was made up of disputes and reconciliations and they would promise each other faithfulness and declare how much they loved each other, but Nair frequently broke her word. She became more and more jealous and possessive. She searched Fernando's phone and she didn't want him to see his friends. Fernando's friends were aware of what was happening. They knew that this was not a good relationship and they advised him to break up with her, telling him that he deserves better and that this story was leading nowhere. So, what you need to know is that Nair was not part of Fernando's group of friends and vice versa. Most of the time, Fernando found himself at her house only to have sexual intercourse and he did not present them as a couple to his friends. Fernando didn't dare talk too much about her with his friends and the pressure she put him through through. Perhaps he was a little ashamed and must have felt guilty for not being able to leave her and for always falling back into the trap and continuing to forgive her when he must have been aware that their relationship was toxic and that it would not lead anywhere. In 2017, while they were still together, she left to study law at university and as usual, she would have a lot of adventures there too. One of them was with one of her professors, another with someone named Joaquin Osorio and another with a boy named Rafael Stefano, all behind Fernando's back. The young man was seriously getting tired of this situation, so he decided that it was necessary to place some distance between him and Nair, and he also began to consider leaving the city to pursue studies in business administration, so he enrolled in a university in another city. He was somewhat relieved, because he thought he was finally going to be able to move on and end this toxic relationship. He had been complaining about his story with her for several weeks, especially on his social media, saying that she was obsessed with him and that she had been threatening him to commit suicide which scared him because he knew she could be impulsive and hurt herself. On December 25, 2017, a new argument broke between them. Fernando wrote around 8pm on his Twitter account, You better not talk to me, I'm tired of your unfounded reproaches and for several days, Fernando had distanced himself from her, but Nair revived him on social media constantly, always threatening him to kill herself or to tell everyone that he had beaten her. That night, Nair went to a club and Fernando knew very well how things often ended in these cases, so he decided to go to the club too. When Fernando arrived, he found her flirting with Rafael Stefano, a boy she was having an affair with for about three months behind Fernando's back. When Rafael saw him arrive, he stepped back, leaving the couple to solve their problems. An argument broke out in the middle of the club, where the music was at full blast and as they were shouting at each other, a naive friend, Martinez, intervened and threw a punch in Fernando's face, who did not understand what was going on, so you're probably wondering why she did that. And well, in fact Nair had told her friend that Fernando had beaten her and she had shown her the blue marks she had on her legs. But in fact, the blue marks were a result of the hockey games she used to play. Also, while they were arguing, a friend of hers intervened in order to protect Nair and by hitting him she shouts, Don't touch her. You're not ashamed to hit a woman. This was too much for Fernando, who understood that Nair had unfairly accused him, in addition to deceiving him once again. He then began to cry and left the club in pain. A bit later, Fernando received a message from Nair, who told him that she was outside of his house and asked him to come down to discuss, which he accepted and went outside. But she was not alone, she was still with her girlfriend, so I can't tell you what he felt exactly, but what I can tell you is that Fernando agreed to follow the two young girls to Nair's house. Once they arrived at her house, the girls locked the door and started beating him, in fact they didn't just beat him, they hit him so hard that he had bruises all over his body, on the abdomen, the arms and also his head as they hit him against the wall several times. He didn't react because he was afraid she would accuse him of violence to her father for allegedly laying hands on her or her girlfriend, and he knew she was capable of doing so. She had already told his friend 
friends lies about him, and in addition to beating him, she had insulted him and his family. The next day, he messaged one of his friends and told him about the other night and that he was aware that Nair's parents would never be against their daughter, but his friend didn't take the incident seriously. This incident was too much for Fernando and he was eventually persuaded to end any relationship with Nair, who had completely crossed the line. He announced his breakup on social media, stating that he felt relieved that it was over and that he hoped she would leave him alone. His friends encouraged him and were happy that he finally decided to end the relationship, which they advised to put an end to a long time ago. Four days later, on December 29th, Nair managed to convince Fernanda to come over for one last sexual intercourse, and he agreed. It is difficult to end a four-year toxic relationship especially when she knew how to put forward the right arguments. They spent the evening together and later that night around 5am he decided to return back home and Nair asked if he could give her a ride to her grandmother, which he accepted. So she took her father's 9mm gun, which was on the fridge and put it in her pocket. On their way, she asked him to stop, which he did, then she got off the scooter, took out her gun, and while Fernando was still sitting on his scooter ready to leave when Nair shot him in the back. Fernando collapsed and fell to the ground facing the sky, and there was plenty of time for him to understand what had just happened, that the girl he had been with for four years and with whom he had spent last night with, just shot him. He had only just realized this when Nair shot him in the chest again, calm and impassive. A taxi driver passing by noticed the scooter and Fernando on the ground, but when he saw Nair next to him looking so calm, he assumed it was nothing serious and continued on his way. Nair went home quietly, took a shower and went to bed, not knowing that surveillance cameras had already filmed her. After she left, the taxi driver passed by the crime scene again and this time he saw that the scooter and the person lying on the ground were still there, but this time alone. So he stopped to see what happened and when he arrived near Fernando, he noted with horror that the young boy had been the victim of a firearm. Fernando was still alive and tried to say something in vain. The taxi driver immediately called the police, but when they arrived it was too late. According to the initial findings, the police thought it did not appear to be a theft at all, but rather a settling of accounts. In the morning, when Fernando's mother woke up, she noticed that he had not come home the night before, so she went down to the garage and saw that the scooter was not there either. Worried, she called Fernando but he did not answer, so she decided to contact Nair, because Fernando took his scooter mostly to go to her house. Nair told her that Fernando had left her house the previous evening around 11pm and since then she had not heard from him. Later, Sylvia found out of the tragic death of her son, and the news spread throughout the city that Fernando had been murdered. As for Nair, she did not miss the opportunity to make a post on social media to express her pain of losing him. She wrote on Instagram, five years together, fighting, coming and going but always with the same love. I love you forever my angel. As the victim's girlfriend, Nair was immediately recognized as a witness. The interrogation lasted several hours and she explained the first version of her story where that evening they had seen each other and argued. According to her, he had left after their altercation and ever since, she had tried to reach him, but he did not answer. During the interview, she acted surprised when they told her the place where he had been shot, and she told the police that this neighborhood was absolutely not a neighborhood that Fernando used to frequent. At some point during the interrogation, she also said that she heard a rumor that he had been killed by a police weapon. She then specified that her friend's relative was a police officer, insinuating that this friend of Fernando could perhaps be the killer, but this was a clumsy attempt to deflect suspicion from herself. No one believed this, especially not the police, so they directed their suspicions towards Nair, the daughter of the chief of police. A few hours later, she returned to the police station with her lawyer, and she began telling a second version of the story. In this version of the story, she did everything to exonerate her father, so indeed she had taken her father's gun to commit the murder, she then said that she knew how to use it because her father had taught her. She also stated that no one helped her as she shot Fernando alone and then went home. 
Following her statements, she was arrested and placed in preventive detention for 60 days. During this period, the investigators clarified the case and collected as much evidence as possible. We should also add that in Argentina, the sentence is longer if the murder was committed on a spouse, so if the police could approve that Nair and Fernando had a relationship, she risked a longer sentence. Her trial began in June 2018. Nair and her family tried to prove that they were not in a relationship and this was only a sexual history. Moreover, her father testified that he never saw Fernando, but unfortunately there were the photos of their trip to Rio together and he lost all credibility, especially since he gave false testimony as a police officer. The investigators already collected a lot of evidence against Nair. Photos of their trip proved that they'd had a relationship for several years, despite the declarations of her father. Also by looking at the surveillance cameras of the city, they saw Nair walking quietly a few blocks from the scene of the crime towards 5.22 a.m. in the morning, seven minutes after the tragedy. Nair's defense then adopted a new strategy. They said that Nair was mistreated by Fernando. That evening he came to her house, they had an argument and she was afraid so she took her father's gun, which was on the fridge. He then threatened Nair and forced her to follow him to his scooter, and while riding, an attorney lost control which allowed Nair to grab the weapon she had in her pocket and shoot him in the back, then they fell off the motorcycle. She was stunned by the sound of the explosion and still under the blow of emotions the second shot fired accidentally. After that, she went home as fast as she could as she was scared of being at the crime scene. The defendant needed a witness who could testify that Nair was beaten by Fernando so she asked her best friend, the one who helped her torture Fernando four days ago. But this time, her best friend wanted to clear her name rather than save her best friend, especially since rumors began to run according to which she was an accomplice in the murder. This rumor began to circulate when Fernando's friends revealed that the two girls had beaten him together. So she decided not to testify, and on social media she tried to justify herself by saying that she had nothing to do with the crime and that she was not responsible if Nair was completely crazy and that she had killed Fernando. The defendant's family also hired an expert, Gabriel Cartana, who was responsible for making a psychological assessment of Nair. He met her twice in prison, the first time for an interview, and the second time to have her undergo psychological tests. He then submitted his report, and according to him, Nair was absolutely not a victim of violence. She had shot Fernando because she refused to leave him. After the trial, Gabriel went to numerous TV programs to talk about Nair's personality. On July 3, 2018, Nair was sentenced to life imprisonment for aggravated homicide. In 2052 she could hope for a sentence adjustment such as a house arrest but by then she will be 54. This affair was widely publicized in Argentina. Nair was the subject of numerous TV programs where journalists analyzed her and Fernando's affair. Beyond being the daughter of a policeman, she is also the first woman under 20 to be sentenced to life imprisonment in Argentina. Nair was not sent to a traditional prison because the case was extremely publicized and moreover the fact that her father was a policeman. I also think that her father must have tried to use his connections as the chief of police to try to improve the conditions of his daughter's detention. Therefore, she was sent to a special prison called La Grania, an experimental prison. The prisoners live in a community and they can study or work, but they are not allowed to get out. Nair gave an interview on television, which was very successful. In this interview, she talked about her conditions of detention and explained that the prison was not so terrible. She also said in an interview that she can study and that she had made new friends, with whom she shares good times. In prison, she also met a boy named Matthias. They met while he came to visit his grandmother who was in the same prison as Nair. During the COVID crisis, she asked for a sentence adjustment. She asked to be at Signal Residence because she was at risk and that if she caught COVID she was at risk of dying, but her appeal was rejected. In January 2022, Nair changed her lawyer and with the support of her mother, she gave an interesting and different version of Fernando's death. 
That night after having sex, Fernando and Nair were arguing in the kitchen and Marcelo, Nair's father, had heard the argument but did not intervene because Nair did not seem in danger. According to this version, he wanted to advise Fernando because he thought he was hurting his daughter and making her unhappy. So when the two of them left the house, Marcelo would have taken his weapon from the fridge and followed them with his car and after Nair had asked Fernando to stop, Marcelo would also have stopped his car and he would have gone towards the two young people, pushing Nair aside and shooting Fernando. He then would have given Nair instructions to go home, which she made a mistake by going the wrong way and was captured by the CCTV cameras. After that she would have wanted to protect her father at all costs and take the responsibility of the murder. This complaint was also dismissed. What I find interesting in this story is the personality of Nair. She was a young girl who, according to the experts, had a personality disorder. She was the only daughter and her brother suffered from mental retardation, so her parents had placed all their hopes on her. Her mother was more like a friend than an authoritative adult, and both her parents in indulged every whim of her. I presume she also thought that she could get out of it by telling lies and manipulation. She had developed a certain ease to lie and to manipulate. For example, during her first interrogation she had tried to put the police on the wrong track by talking about a friend of Fernando whose father was a policeman. Unfortunately, she wasn't as smart as she thought. In my opinion, after the first interrogation, she had to tell her father everything because he was part of the police and it wouldn't take much time for the investigators to make the link between his weapon and the crime, in addition to the CCTV cameras, which were going to be examined. Her parents had to take advice from their lawyer, who probably advised them that the best thing to do was to confess everything. That's why she came back with her father to confess her crime, because it was necessary to prove that they were not together, as in Argentina it is an aggravating circumstance if the victim was a partner of the defendant. According to the psychologist, Nair is a girl who has a normal level of intelligence, neither more nor less than the average, but she overestimates her intellectual abilities and thinks she is smarter than she actually is. She wasn't worried about lying and manipulating those around her, and more particularly Fernando, whom she was blackmailing with committing suicide and threatening to denounce him for violence if he broke up with her. I need to tell you one more detail. Nair's phone was examined by an expert, but Fernando's wasn't, as they weren't able to unlock it. I think that Fernando must have had an iPhone because iPhones are inviolable and no one must have known his short passcode. Examining Nair's phone, the experts found an intimate video of Nair and Fernando. When Nair's defense tried to convince the court that they weren't in a relationship, Fernando's lawyers wanted that video to be shown as evidence, but the judge refused as it was too intimate. At the end of the court session, Nair approached the judge and told him that if the video was broadcasted, she will commit suicide. We don't know how, but this sex tape came out on the internet and it was one of Argentina's most searched videos. The lawyers of the two families did everything to ban the video from the internet, especially Fernando's family who wanted at all costs to preserve the memory of their son. However, they were unable to ban it. I want to underline the fact that the video came out and that Nair did not commit suicide. For me, Nair is a psychopath. She showed no sympathy when Fernando cried during their argument at the nightclub, despite knowing very well that she was lying and that he had never beaten her and that she was the one who had just cheated on him. She showed almost no emotions during her first interview with the police and throughout the trial she was also impassive, except for a few moments when her lawyer played audios of Fernando yelling at her and while at that point she started crying. Also after her incarceration, she did say sorry but not for Fernando, who was just 20 years old and whose life she had taken, but she was sorry because she would not be able to join her grandmother's funeral. As you may know, the lack of empathy is also one of the peculiarities of the psychopath. She had no empathy for Fernando, she cheated on him at all costs with up to four different boys over the same period and treated him like an object. 
She wanted to own him and didn't want him to leave her, and when she was aware that she could no longer hold him back, she murdered him. After that, she posted on Instagram to make others feel sorry for her, which is also one of the characteristics that we find in psychopaths. As for Fernando's family, I'm very happy that they could get justice for their son, even though Nair's conditions are better than in a traditional prison. I hope they were able to overcome their pain and move on, even though they will mourn him forever. Thank you for listening and don't forget to follow for more crime stories.